You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So I started a series, uh, this will be the third Sunday that I'm in it, and the title of it is PG, standing for parental guidance, and, uh, and parental guidance needed. I talked about the censorship that the motion picture industry uh, started as they began to show movies and they began to uh, feel a need that they needed to have age-appropriate censorship. And so uh, back in... Uh, 1977, actually, is when uh, um, Steven Spielberg, he lobbied for, uh, for them to bring on a PG-13. So there was G for all audiences, uh, general audiences. Uh, there was PG for parental guidance. And then there was rated R, which was restricted for anyone under 18. And so 1977, uh, Steven Spielberg said, uh, I have a movie that, that I'm going to direct and, and, and launch, and it's, it's appropriate for ages above 13, but it's, it's not that bad that an 18-year-old cannot watch the movie, uh, or a 17-year-old cannot watch the movie. So he was lobbying, and the movie in 1977 was a movie called Jaws. Very good. And so Jaws was a movie. Well, he lobbied for that, but that didn't take effect, PG-13, until 1985, the year that I graduated, 1985, and the movie that got the first PG-13 movie was, uh, the, the main star of that movie was a guy by the name of Patrick Swayze, and the movie's title was Red Dawn. It's interesting to me because uh, I was just at, uh, I met my son and daughter-in-law on Friday. It was her birthday, and so they drove down from, from Safford, and I met them in Tucson. And uh, Sean and I uh, went with them to the theater there in, in Oro Valley, and they went to go watch a movie that was called Meg. That's kind of interesting. So Jaws is the first major shark movie, and then now comes Meg, I guess standing for Mega shark, and so uh, everyone went in there to, to get their uh, scared to death, so no one that ever, I mean, no one that came out of that movie house is probably going to go to the ocean for another five years, but that's another story. But before that, this is how this all fits. Before the movie, uh, we went to go have dinner, and we went to the steakhouse there in, in, in North Tucson, and I probably had uh, probably one of the best steaks I've ever had in my life. And the reason for this steak that I selected was I had a waitress, and she was in her, we had a waitress, she was in her mid-twenties, and she was one of those waitresses that, or, or you know, waiters that really help you in the process. They were like, this is incredible, uh, you'd really like this, and let me tell you that, that this, get this salad, because this salad is the last day we're having it, and it's going to be amazing. And so I, of course, listened to the waitress when, when she brought this salad that had strawberries, pecans, uh, mandarin, orange, all this stuff. Everyone around my table was like, she suggested this steak. Well, in the process of this friendly, amazing waitress uh, uh, kind of help serving us and helping us, she, uh, she uh, brought out that, that she is 
a waitress, but she also works as an educator. So she's a school teacher as well. And uh, she's working two jobs, and she also said to us that she's a single mom. And so uh, as she's talking to me about her being a single mom and how she loves her kid, she kept uh, talking so bubbly about her, her boy and, and pouring into the life of her boy. I saw some very important things that relate to the message that I'm going to be speaking today. She didn't know this. And maybe even people around the table didn't know this. But I had already prepared to be speaking to single parents. And as I heard her story and as I saw her vibrancy and her excitement, I saw that this single mother was making an impact not only in her family, but she was making an impact in her world. And I started thinking about how single parents are so important to us. But more than that, single parents are important to God. And what happens in our society, what happens in our life, is usually people get stereotyped. Like, you're single because of this. Or you're divorced because of this, which next, next week I'll be talking about divorce and finding hope and finding restoration in God. So if you know any people that are going through a difficult time because of divorce, I'd like for you to invite them. Okay, so this, this uh, I started thinking about this, uh, this single mom, and then I, I wanted to present some facts because of, of the stereotypes that people put, okay? Here's the facts from the uh, last census that was taken. There are about 13.7 million single parents, almost 14 million in America. The, these single parents are raising about 22 million children. Now, most of these parents, about 80% or 8 out of 10 of these custodial parents are moms. 82% are, uh, of these parents are moms. While about 20% of custodial parents are fathers. This is what we got from the census. And, and, and here's what I know for sure, is that in our church, this campus and our second campus in the Copper Corridor, I see a lot of fathers that are raising their, their, their children. I see a lot of moms that are raising their children. So we see this to be true. Now, one of the assumptions that's made is that most single mothers are single from the outset of, of, of marriage. And, and, and so I've heard from people, which it breaks my heart, is, you know, they're working the system, they're doing this and they're doing that. But let me, let, let's look at the facts. Here's the facts. Almost five of these ten, uh, five out of ten women are actually uh, uh, single, not because they wanted to, but because of divorce, or they're separated, and they're raising their kids. Uh, only about three out of 10 have never been married. 18% are married, and in most cases, these numbers represent women, women who have been remarried, okay? 1%, or one out of 10, are widowed. They've lost their husband. Of the fathers who are custodial parents, Five out of 10 or 53% are divorced or separated. In other words, most of them did not choose to be raising their kids by themselves. About three out of 10 have never been married. And this is a very important fact here. Single parents are employed. Another assumption, which is a false assumption that people make, is that single moms are unemployed. Again, this notion is not true according to the census data. In fact, almost 8 out of 10 of custodial single moms 
are not only employed, but they're gainfully employed. How do, when I talked to this young lady that was working at this restaurant, after she got out of school, after raising her kids, she's working to make a positive difference in her child. And I just want to commend her for that. I just want to thank God for that. It shows us this in the census. 53.2% work full-time year-round and about 2 out of 10 or 22% work part-time or part, or, or part of the year. Almost 9 out of 10 of, of custodial single fathers are gainfully employed, and I think that's important. In other words, they're working as hard as they can to make a difference in their families. And here's another interesting statistic. It says most single-parent households do not... Do not live in poverty. When people say, you know, these single moms, these single dads, they're, 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 they're taking from society, they're, they're, they're mushers, they're, they're taking from us. Only about 30%, only about 3 out of 10 of women and only about women in poverty. In other words, if you're a single parent in here, I want you to know that I know and that we are all being apprised that you work hard to make a difference in your family. And here's another thing. You're more than a statistic. You're special to God, and he cares about each of you very deeply. You see, there may be a single person in here, a single parent in here, and you think nobody cares Look at what I'm going through. You know, I've, being married, I've gone through times where I think nobody cares. And what I've come to find out, and if you're single here, what, you, what I want you to find out today is that God loves you greatly. He never stops caring about you. I don't know what your circumstance is, but I know who my father is. And he's a God who is a father to the fatherless. And he's a God that will meet you like a mother in your most difficult place if you don't have a mother in your life. If your kids don't have a mother in your life, there is a God who cares about you greatly. God spoke through the prophet Isaiah and he said this, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. Not only is he a father to the fatherless, he's a mother to the motherless. He's not a woman, he's God. And he meets us where we need to be met. And we're going to find out through, today through the, through, the, through the passage of Scripture that I've selected that, that God does not abandon people. God cares so much about us that, that he doesn't abandon, uh, abandon people. And we're going to look at the story of this, this lady, the narrative of a woman named Hagar. And her story is still impacting our world today. When you hear about the things that are going on in Palestine and all the, all the fighting in the Gaza Strip, this has to do with this story that I will be reading today. There's still hostility. hostility. There's still anger. There's still hatred. And it's because of this story that I'm reading to you today. And what we're going to find is that God cared about a woman that was going to be single and that was going to be left desolate. And that he came to her aid. He came to her defense in a very difficult time. Now, for you theologians, let me just say this, because some of you guys are Bible scholars in here, and you're thinking, well, yeah, well, what about the line, the, the godly line, the, the, line the, the line of salvation? That's where, where we have received salvation. Let me say this, that 
what we, what we find in this story is that the, the line of salvation comes through Isaac. We're going to find out about two boys. The line of salvation comes through Isaac. And it goes straight down to Jesus. But what you find in this narrative is that the line of mercy comes through Ishmael. The line of, 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 of God who cares comes through the story of Hagar. And where it helps us, where it helps us is for us not to enter into the hostility that's going on around us and the anger and the hatred, but to, for us to enter, enter into the compassion of God and loving people where they need to be loved. If you're single here today, a single parent, God loves you. And he's merciful and he cares about everything you're going through. So I'm going to share three biblical truths to comfort single parents. And this, as I completed a first service, I had people come to me and they said, Pastor, that, that speaks to all of us. Yes, and, and that's awesome. It speaks to all of us. But I want for us to really be mindful of maybe someone in your life that is a single parent and they're going through a very difficult time. And my prayer is that these words will not stay here, but you'll go share the love of God with them and share these truths so that they know they're not alone. Okay? Here's the first truth. God won't allow the circumstances of single parenting to define you. The reason that I started out with the facts from the senses about single parents is because society has a way of stereotyping you by your circumstances. In other words, she's like this because she did this. He's like this. He, he's this person because of his choices. Because he's, he's nothing but a loser. She's nothing but a, she's not going to amount to anything. She's gonna do. God does not define us by our circumstances. God defines us by the love that he has for each one of us and the people around us. The world has a way of really stereotyping. But can I tell you, and I say this with uh, as I even present it to you, I say this with tears. That the church has been known for stereotyping and judging people in their most difficult times. I'll never forget going to a wedding and seeing this, uh, this uh, recently divorced young lady. We knew her really well, Sean and I. We were in this place together, and, I, and I'll, I'll never forget that she was uh, in, in a very foreign season of her life. She wasn't used to being single. She wasn't used to being a single mom. She was used to her husband, husband being by her side and for him helping him, helping her along with what was going on. And I'll never forget as we were having the reception, I was looking and I, I, I somehow caught a, caught a look at her and where she was. And, and as she was doing things, I could, I could see that she was in this foreign place because that wasn't like her. She was trying to find her place. And in these circumstances, they were, they were kind of heavy on her. They were, they were making her be uncharacteristic of who she was and you may be in here in this season of your life where you're doing things because you're trying to navigate through the singleness and we're going to see that God really cares about you you're more than a statistic you're more than a circumstance you're more than a product 
of those circumstances. Here's, what, here's how the narrative goes. Uh, if you got your Bible, you can go to chapter 21 of, of Genesis. Uh, if you don't, you can read it on your outline or you can read it from the, from the, um, from the uh, what do you call that, screams. It tells us this, okay? It says, when Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned. Now, let me explain real quick because some of you guys probably don't know the, the, the early part of this, this, this story, this, this narrative is that uh, 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 Ishmael and Isaac are two, two boys that were, that were uh, born to, from Isaac. I mean, I'm sorry, from Abraham. Abraham is, uh, is, is one of the patriarchs of our faith, okay? And he had two sons. One, one was Ishmael, and that's where you see the descendants of the, that, that have now become uh, the Muslims. And then the other uh, uh, son is Isaac. And that's where the descendants come that are now known as Christians, okay? And so from these two, now they were born to two different women. One of the, one of the women was uh, the wife, and, and, and that was later in her life. Her name was Sarah. And Sarah was 90 years old when she had Isaac. But before she was 90 years old, she told her, her, her maidservant, Hagar, to go ahead and, 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 and lie with her husband and have a, have a, have a child for her. And so this child, was, his name was Ishmael. Okay, that's, I want you just to grasp that, okay? Because we're going to talk more about it in a little bit. So when Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. And that just tells us that, that uh, us as families will do anything to celebrate, anything to, to, to do a feast, right? <laughs> but Sarah, Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant Hagar making fun of her son Isaac. And, and let's just grab a hold of that. What do older brothers do to younger brothers? They make fun of them, right? But this is a circumstance that, that was presented that was different from normal circumstances. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, demanded get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son Isaac, I won't have it. Now let's pause. At one time, Hagar was very valuable to Sarah. At one time, she was more than a slave woman. In fact, she would be the instrument for Abraham to have a son. But after Ishmael was born, then comes Isaac through Sarah... And then a whole different set of circumstances come into play. And these circumstances, I have to note one more time, these set of circumstances are still affecting our world today. Anyone heard some, some news about the Gaza Strip and the Palestinians sending missiles over to uh, uh, Jerusalem and Jerusalem sending fire back to the Palestinians? That's exactly where this started so it goes on to say in verse 11 this upset abraham very much because ishmael was his son but god told abraham don't be upset over the boy and your servant do whatever sarah tells you now pause right there and for you that are that are married in here i know we're talking to single parents but if you're married this is very important because god told uh, abraham do whatever sarah tells you so whenever Shauna tells me, I do, 
right? For Isaac, for Isaac is a son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also, this is interesting, but I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son because he is your son too. In other words, God said, I'm also going to bless Hagar. I'm also going to bless Ishmael um, because they're your sons. Now, I want you to take note of this. We serve a God who is bigger than our circumstances. God's promise was always Isaac. He never wavered. God never, never thought twice, twice, like, how am I going to, to make this happen? Oh, I, I can't believe that Sarah hasn't gone pregnant. He wasn't scratching his head, or he, he didn't say, you know what, go and talk to Sarah, and have her go and talk to Stephanie, three, uh, three tents down from them, and, and, and she's a fertility uh, specialist, and please go over there and talk to, to them so, that he can, so they can help you. God, ne- God never wavered. He said, you're going to have a son, Right? God never told Abraham that Hagar would be the mother of the promised child. God never spoke to Sarah and told her that Hagar would be the mother of Abraham's promised child. Sarah took this into her own hands. And when we take things into our own hands, our choices produce a set of circumstances that the world around us, hear me now, will mark us with. They'll stereotype us with. They'll say, that's why they're the way they are, because look at what they've done, right? And then Sarah said, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share in the inheritance. Notice, before before this happened, Sarah wasn't talking to Hagar like, you're my slave woman. I don't want nothing to do with you. She was talking to Hagar in a way that, Hagar, can you help me? Because I think that if you can lie with my husband, we can have a son, and he will be the heir to us. But now, because of a new circumstance, now she's saying Hagar is a nuisance. Hagar is a burden. She's a problem, and she's a slave woman. Now, I want you to grab a hold of something that's very important, beloved. Do you notice how the enemy, okay, notice how the enemy will use our flesh And our flesh is what we do independently of God. Whether it's our flesh, the way that we think, thinking that our our way is better than God's way. Remember last week I, I, I spoke to you guys and I said, the devil will always come into our life and he'll 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 tempt you to think that your way is better than God's, right? Or he'll have you act out independently of God and make choices that are against or contrary to God's direction. Now, Hagar, she got caught up in these circumstances which would lead her to be kicked out of the community. What were the circumstances? Sarah's impatience, Abraham's uh, inability to stand up and say, you know what, Sarah, we need to trust God. We need to trust God so that he's going to follow through. He is a God who's faithful. But let's just look at the, the white lines, not, not the black letters. Look at the white lines. What could have been happening? You know, Hagar, uh, Sarah was probably thinking, I'm not going to get pregnant. God said, I'm going to get pregnant, and I know we need a son, and so I'm going to talk to Hagar. And let's just even picture the meeting between Hagar and Sarah. You know, maybe Sarah made a breakfast, and, you know, she made uh, 
uh, chilaquiles and tortillas and, you know, all these different things. And she invited her for this breakfast. And in this breakfast, she said, will you sit with me, Hagar? And Hagar's like, oh, what's going on, Sarah? Now, Sarah was the most prestigious woman in the community. Sarah uh, was married to Abraham, who was like the champion of that community. And she sits with, with, uh, with Hagar, and she says, Sir, uh, Hagar, I need for you to do something for me. And Hagar's probably thinking, well, maybe uh, color her hair or maybe, you know, wash the clothes. And she says to her, I want you to lie with my husband and have a baby. Now, what do you think her response could have been? I want you, let's put it just kind of black and white. I want you to go and have sex with my husband. That's, that's the storyline. Now, Hagar was probably like, oh my goodness, are you sure, Sarah? You know, we don't know what's going on. Are you sure, are you, sure you want to do this? This is not a good thing. But I'll do it because you're, my, you're, my, you're, my, uh, you're over me. Now, they go to Abraham. I always think about Abraham and what he was dealing with. Abraham, I have something I want to talk to you about. Well, what do you need to talk to me about? I want you to go and I want you to lie with my maidservant. What? What? You want me to do what? I want you to go and I want you to, to lie. I want you to go and have sex with my maidservant. Well, I always think like this. You know, I don't know. That's, this is me. This might not be you. I always think that Abraham probably responded in some way like this. Okay. Are you sh- First, he probably said, are you sure, Sarah? Am I hearing you correctly? Right? And then he probably stepped back and he said, okay, sir, I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to like it. Come on, Hagar. <laughs> but the reality, the, let's think, the circumstances came about because people didn't take a stand for the things that God has directed. God never told them to do that, and that's important for us to grab a hold of, Okay. There are some of you in here, there are some of you in here that maybe you're a single parent because of things that have happened to you that you had no control of. Maybe you might even be a grandparent in here and because of circumstances that have occurred, right, that are unfortunate circumstances, you are raising your grandchildren. Let me say this to, to you. You need to know that you're more than an unfortunate grandparent. You need to know that you are special in the eyes of God. If you're in here and you've been divorced and you're raising your children and you're going through the, the most difficult of difficulties, you're more than a circumstance. You're very special to God. If there's something that we need to grab a hold of from this story that, that the, you first grab a hold of is that we all have circumstances, every single one of us. That young lady that spoke to, to us at, at, at dinner the other day at this restaurant, she was living out a circumstance. And can I tell you that I didn't see a, a, uh, a single mother serving us. I didn't see uh, someone that had misfortune serving us. I saw someone special to our family. 
Beloved, you, you need to grab a hold of something, that there's a, there's a community, there's, a, there's a, uh, a country that are hurting because of circumstances, and we as God's people need to be those people that love them where they're at and tell them that they don't have to be a product of their circumstance, they can be a product of God's eternal love. Here's the second truth. God will always show you the way to navigate through your single parenting. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, he's telling us, I will show you the way you come through me, and you'll find out that I am the exact way to the Father. This is how the narrative continues. In verse 14, it says, Abraham got up the, uh, early the next morning. He prepared food and a container of water, and he strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. And then he sent her away with their son. Notice, with their son. Okay? And she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of, Be of Beersheba. You see, Hagar didn't know where she was going to be going. And the text says that Abraham placed a container of water on her shoulder and her circumstances not only came with her wandering in a place that she'd never been, but it came with her having to carry a burden in that next chapter of her life. And you may be in here and because of circumstances, because of things that have happened, you feel like if you're carrying the burden of the world because of what you've been dealt in this life. Doesn't it seem like that? When, 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 a, uh, uh, when a husband dies or, or a wife dies and, uh, and you become a, a, a widow or you become a widower and you think, what am I going to do now? And it seems like there's just like a, a, a weight that's placed on your shoulders and you're, you think, how am I going to navigate through this? Or when you get divorced and, and, and you got this weight on you and, and it seems like people put more and more on you, maybe, maybe your ex-spouse. I mean, it, there's a difference between someone dying and someone divorcing you because at least when they die, there's closure. And, but when there's a divorce, it, it's like they, they keep coming back and they come back and put more weight and put more things on you, more, more things on your, your shoulder. And you're like, oh my goodness, I can't, I can't do this anymore. That's exactly what Hagar was going through. I've talked to moms that have been a product of their circumstances. They had this big weight on their shoulder. I, I remember talking to this elderly lady who had a child out of wedlock, and she was a single mom, and she said, I, I was trying to navigate. You know, I, I had these voices telling me, you need to abort that child. I had these voices thinking, maybe I need to put, it up for adop put her up for adoption. And it turned out that she kept the child, and the child became an amazing uh, uh, educator, an amazing musician. And so this, this weight that, that people have is no different than what Hagar had. Where do I go from here? Now, now look at this, look at the narrative. Verse 15, it says, when the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. And, and some of you single parents, don't you do whatever you can to take care of your children? And then she went and she sat down by herself about 100 yards away because she didn't want to see what was going to happen to her, to her son. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, as she burst into tears. Her resources had come to an end. She was so desperate that she couldn't even look at her son die, this slow death. I'll never forget a, a family who 
went through a, a, a divorce. Uh, a husband left his wife. And the, here, here's the crazy thing is the kids thought that their, their parents' marriage was, was great. And they were blinded. They were blindsided by the divorce. And in this divorce, uh, the, 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 one, of the, one of the children who was a standout athlete, she was the top in, 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 in volleyball, in track, one of the fastest in the state. And, and she, uh, she gave everything up, and she began to cut. And she, began, uh, she took uh, three attempts at, at uh, suicide. And this mother was trying to navigate. This mother, instead of her running away from God, she, she, she connected to God. She stayed with God. And, and that's interesting to me because did you know that the name for Hagar, the, the, the original name for her, and what it means is flight? Hagar uh, was made to leave, you know, to take flight. And maybe someone in your life, they took flight. They, 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 they ran away instead of, instead of fighting. They left. And you're impacted, and, and, and because of that, and I think about Hagar, but I also think about that, that lady in the divorce and, and her, her daughter struggling to take her life, and, and her son, you know, he's dealing with his issues. He was about nine years old, and older daughter, uh, you know, her dad wasn't there for her last prom. You feel like just walking away and going to a dark place. And you might be here as, as a single parent. You, you want to... You want to stand as far as you can because you see your children in their greatest of struggles and it's killing you because it's killing them. You need to know that, that, that God loves you. As we continue to read, it says this, but God, he heard the boy crying. Somebody tell someone God heard. And that's really weak, guys. And we're talking about God. So just tell someone, God heard. Yeah. But God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Isn't that interesting? That they kicked her out of the community. That they kicked her out of this prestigious home. And, and, and they said they weren't calling out to her. Abraham was saying, Hagar, how are you doing? But God from heaven noticed her despair and her difficulty. And he called down and said, Hagar, what's wrong? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy. And I will make him, and this is so interesting. He says, I will make him a great nation from his descendants. And, and salvation comes through Jesus alone, through the line of Isaac. You need to, you need to know that. But can I, can I show you how true this is? Has anyone noticed that the, 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 the nation of, of Islam is huge? That goes right back to this statement that God said, I will, I will be with him, I will bless him, and yet salvation will always come through Isaac, who will directly be lined to Jesus. See, there's never a wasted tear in our life. If you're single in here and you're raising kids and you've cried and you've hurt, there is never a wasted tear. 
There's never a cry that's not unheard from God. When all society is going past everybody and these people that are struggling, God inclines his ear to hear the hurts of people everywhere. Here's the third truth. And this is so vital to you, beloved. God is faithful to refresh you during your driest times as a single parent. Oftentimes, people leave us high and dry. But please, please don't blame God for this. Sometimes you feel blindfolded. Single parenting drains you. It exhausts you. But look at what the word says. Verse 19. Then God opened Hagar's eyes. And she saw a well full of water. And she quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. Can I tell you something that's really important? That water well was always there. But Hagar could not see the well because of the heaviness in her life. She could not see the well because of the circumstances that were around us, around her. And what I need to, for you to understand is whatever difficulty you're going through, when, this, when you're blinded to the goodness of God, all you have to know is if you cry out, he will show you that he's there. And he'll refresh you with the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. We all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. We all have those places that we don't see the goodness of God. In in a marriage, I'm blessed because about 90% of the time, my wife can come alongside and she'll say, hey, babe, you're not seeing this. She said, you're not seeing this. God, God is here and you're seeing all this negativity, and she, said, she lets me see the goodness of God. But when you're single, and this is where I empathize with you, when you're single, you don't have someone all the time. That's why small groups are so important. You don't have someone all the time that's going to say, hey, you're not seeing God in this. When you're, when you're in this negativity and everything seems to be against you, you're not seeing the goodness of God. You're not seeing the well where you can drink from. Right? You might feel abandoned. You might feel like if you're in the greatest dry season of your life, but you need to know that if you ask God, He will refresh you with what you need. That that passage ends with this it says, God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer. And he settled in the wilderness of Paran. And his mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. She took things into her her own hands. Now, the promise, as we begin to close, the promise of a Savior, it comes through Isaac. It comes through Sarah having this miracle child of Isaac. But you need to know this, that the Bible shows us that God never left Ishmael. 
And God never left Hagar. And God sees every person that's hurting so that we can show them the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus said this. He said, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is thirsty, let him or her come to me and drink. The well, and I'm talking about the eternal well, is in Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that you will not leave here today without saying, Jesus, I'm thirsty. I'm all dried up because of my circumstances. I am shriveling because of this circumstance that I'm in. Jesus will meet you where you're at. He'll fill you with his love. He'll fill those voids of emptiness with the fullness of God and will help you navigate in the coming days and forever. There's a movie that came out recently. It was, it was from a book that was written by William Young. And people have different opinions about the book and theologically they have different thoughts. But let me tell you my takeaway. I went and saw the movie. It's called The Shack. And in that movie, what William Young was trying to portray was the character of God. That God will meet you wherever you're at. And the, the, the storyline is, is a family, a, a dad that took his children out to go fishing. And when they went out fishing, his daughter, who he never took his eyes off most of the time, but for one split second, he took his eyes off of her in the wilderness, in this campground, and she was abducted by a murderer. And that murderer took her away and he murdered her in a shack. And after he, they found that she was murdered and what had been done to her, which was horrific, that man was never the same and he was broken in that situation. And God visits him just like God will visit us in our most desperate and most difficult times. And he took him back. He invited him to this place and he took him back to the shack where his daughter was married, was murdered. And the last scene, one of the last scenes, God wanted to bring closure to all the hurts and the pains that he was struggling with. And this might be for someone today. So the man had the, the daughter, and she was dead, and they were going to do a, this, this closure, a, fu a funeral service. And he went to the shack, and God met him right there. And God revealed to him, himself to, to, to this man, uh, this father, this husband, as a woman because he wanted to meet him where he needed to be met. The Holy Spirit was an Asian woman, and Jesus was this hip dude, you know, this cool dude. And people got mad about that because Jesus can't be cool. You know, he's got to be a certain way. But here's the reality. God met him. And this, he brings the, the, the daughter, and he's crying, 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 just many, many tears. And he presents the child to God. And they go to the burial. And this beautiful garden, this beautiful flowers, eternal garden. And he puts a baby right there, the, 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 the daughter, not a baby. Puts a daughter in, in the ground and they begin to, to uh, put dirt over it. And the Holy Spirit pulls out a, a, a little, like a perfume jar. And it's filled with liquid. And the Holy Spirit begins to put some drops into the ground 
And the man's looking and he's feeling the presence of God and tears coming down and the father looks at him and he says, you know what those drops are? The man says, no. He says, every drop is one of your tears. There's not one tear that's been unnoticed. And as the tears hit the ground, this beautiful tree begins to sprout up. And God brought life into a dead situation. And let me end with this. God will bring life into a dead situation. No matter where you're at, no matter how broken you are, no matter what you've been going through, God will meet you where you're at. And he'll show you that not one of your tears has been left unnoticed. He loves you with an eternal love. And he wants to restore you. He wants to restore your life. And remember the, the young lady that I talked about that, that she began to cut herself. She, went, she tried to commit suicide. And that family, that family is being restored. And I've seen great things happening in her life because her mom didn't run away from God. Her man ran to him. Her mom, the mom ran to him. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe God's brought you here today because he wants to restore your life. He wants to refresh your life. And he wants you to let go of all the bitterness and the anger that, that come with being abandoned and single. And so if you don't mind, can we just bow our heads right now? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never, never committed yourself to God. Never, never, never said, Jesus, I need you in my life. I want to follow you. And maybe today God is stirring your heart and this is the day you're going to choose to follow him. And he's going to meet you where you're at. He's going to refresh you in your dry places. He's going to fill the voids that are empty of his love and full of hurt. He's going to restore you. Will you do yourself a favor and will you do your family a favor and say, today I'm going to choose to follow Jesus? If that's you, will you just raise your hand and say, yeah, I, I want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I want for him to, to guide me and direct my life. And, and just, it's between you and God. This is just, I, yes, I see your hand and that's wonderful. Anyone else, you're just saying, Lord, I just want to, I, I need to be restored. I need for you to do the work that only you can do. Just raise your hand. It's between you and God. It's like that person and, and that dad, that, that person at the shack. It's God meeting you where you need to be met and saying, Lord, I need to be met there. Just, just raise your hand and we'll, we'll say a short prayer. Anyone else? Yes, bro, I see that. Awesome. Anyone else? Just saying, Lord, I just, I just need to grab a hold of your hand today. He'll never force you, and I'll never force you. Okay, let's just pray. Let's pray a prayer. You can pray this prayer with me if you want, or you can just agree with me. Father, I need you today. I need you in this season of my life. Lord, you know that I feel abandoned. I feel like if I'm all alone. I just want to thank you for teaching me today that, that I'm not alone, that you don't abandon people. You don't, uh, you don't throw us to the curb. Today, I want to grab the hold of, of the hand of Jesus and I want to, to walk with him. Lord, I need you. I don't even know what that means, but today I want to I just, by faith, uh, start my walk with you. And, and I, I just 
ask you to, to guide me, guide my steps. Lord, heal my hurts. Uh, reach into those places. You know them the, the, that people don't know about, but I know about those places that I feel so, so uh, defined by my circumstances. Lord, just restore me today. And I, I choose to follow Jesus and to be led by him uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit. So we pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. So I have one more prayer. That this has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.